Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mitch and Finley on a Scotty's Vodka Red Bull Friday. Scotty's Vodka is Maryland made and amazingly smooth, just like the B. Mitch and Finley program. Uh, joining us right now on the BetQL guest line is Arif Hassan, covers the NFL for Pro Football Network, and um, had an article this week that really got my attention, talking about what the commanders might look like with Eric Bieniemy at the helm. Arif, what's up, man? Thanks for making some time for us. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Um, let's dig. Let's dig into the article you wrote. I um, I thought it was really interesting and kind of to me, like if there is a consensus, it's that Andy Reid and his disciples, for lack of a better word, run so much different stuff that it's kind of hard to pin down exactly what they're going to do. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the appeal of an Andy Reid offense is that it's difficult to predict when you're a defense, but it does make it difficult for you know us to try and figure out kind of what an offense is going to look like when one of those Andy Reid disciples heads over to a team we cover. So, I mean, yeah, that's a pretty common theme across all of those uh, you know protégés, if we want to use another word. I think when a lot of people look at it, they just try to act as if Andy just does everything. But you look at all of the movement that they have in the offense, you got to have every – I played for Andy for three years, and I think when I watched him, every coach has something to do to make sure everything works together. They just seem to do it so well that people think that one mind can do it all by himself. Yeah, I think people conflate the idea that somebody is a play caller or has veto on play calling uh, as him being the guy. But Andy Reid has always been really quick to credit all of his assistants. I've been able to talk to some people inside of Kansas City to see kind of who has what responsibilities. And while they've all been pretty tight-lipped about the specifics, I know that every coach in the offensive staff is given situations or sections of the game plan to evaluate, analyze, and implement new plays or implement their game plan. Uh, and then they come together to coordinate all of that together. It's a very involved process from all members of the offensive staff. And I know for a fact that Eric Bieniemy and Matt Nagy, both of them, are really heavily involved when it comes to play design, game planning, figuring out kind of what needs to go where. So, yeah, Andy reads the play caller, but there is a lot of credit to share within that offensive staff. So what do you say to – Kind of the detractors of Bienemy that are like, listen, man, sure, he's the offensive coordinator in title, but you've got Andy Reid, you've got Patrick Mahomes. How much does Bienemy really do? 
I mean, just take a look at Andy Reid himself. He was not a play caller when he became a head coach in Philadelphia. That worked out pretty well for him. Uh, And a lot of Andy Reid non-play callers have had varying degrees of success around the NFL. Right now we can point to Doug Peterson, who won a Super Bowl. He was not a play caller uh, under Andy Reid. But, you know, we've seen, you know, Brad Childress rise and fall. You know, he wasn't a play caller under Andy Reid. Uh, We've seen some good years from Matt Nagy in Chicago. Um, I, I think it's a little bit much especially you take a look at you know one of the coach of the year candidates Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota he wasn't a play caller for Sean McVay I think people focus too much on that that's one of the least important elements of being an offensive coordinator or a head coach is the actual calling of the plays I mean you're just picking off of a menu the person who designed the menu is in a lot of control yeah I think uh, you know what when I you got Patrick Mahomes, and I, and I say this a lot about every year we go coach of the year, we look for the guy that had a bad team. And people automatically assume that a, a good coach can't be doing much when you have a, a, ex, uh, like a, a quarterback like a Pat Mahomes. But Pat Mahomes has a lot of ego and emotions too, and you got to keep that in check. And he gives credit to Eric Bieniemy, and I don't understand why people can't understand that just because you're a great player don't mean you don't need any help. Yeah, I think what was really interesting, right after the Super Bowl, talking to both Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, they both brought up Eric the Enemy unprompted. No one asked them about Eric the Enemy. They both brought up Eric as someone who's critical and crucial to the success that they had that year and throughout their tenure in Kansas City. They both recognize that the enemy is somebody that's been very involved in designing that offense, has been very involved in the development of that offense over time, uh, and has contributed a lot. And I think that, you know, the ability to maximize great players says a lot about a good coach in the same way that being able to get the most out of a bad roster says a lot about a great coach. I think those are very related skill sets, and I think that you take a look at you know, what the Chiefs have been able to do over the past couple of years, they've organized some of the best offenses of all time. And it's really difficult for me to think that that's entirely on a great quarterback. We've seen really good quarterbacks in really bad systems, and those systems have needed to change. Just take a look at the first time Peyton Manning was in Denver. That needed to change. The first time Tom Brady was in Tampa Bay, that needed to change. It did change. They turned in some really good offenses, but it's a sign of good coaching that you can get that offense up and going right away with some great players. It really is. And, 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 God, you're just speaking my language so much. <laughs> I enjoyed the read the other day, and that's why I wanted to get you on the show because people get so caught up in a system. There is no system. It's figuring out what works best for your players. I mean, that's what Belichick has always preached for years. And, and Brian, I mean, Brian played for Andy for three years. And one of the things B always said is that, like, hey, man, when Donovan went down, we were still expected to produce. And, and that's your system, right? And tweaking things to that system. Uh, speaking with Arif Hassan from Pro Football Network, you can give him a follow on Twitter. Let me make sure I get this right. Um, it is Arif Hassan NFL, at A-R-I-F-H-A-S-A-N NFL. Um, so, dude, I, I want to talk kind of specifically about the quarterback position in Washington. And th- maybe this is th- going too deep here because it's not the, uh, exactly a name brand. But it sure seems like Washington's going to roll into the season giving Sam Howell a legitimate shot to be their QB1. Um, curious kind of – I know how deep you guys go on the draft stuff, what you thought of Howell coming out last year, and, and what you think a potential enemy howell marriage could look like this fall. 
Yeah, I mean, first, I think it's pretty bold of Washington to go with a fifth-round pick, regardless of what I thought of Sam Howell, regardless of what the draft community overall uh, thought of him. I think that it maybe says a lot about Sam Howell. I don't know. Maybe it says a lot about Washington, that they're willing to take that chance. But I did like Sam Howell coming out. I was really surprised that he dropped all the way to the fifth round. I thought I was lower on him than most, and I thought he was a third-round pick. But um, to me, there's a lot there that you can take advantage of that we've seen some of these other Andy Reid-style offenses around the league take advantage of. First, I mean, he's a really, really good athlete. He was, I think, third in the NFL when you take away uh, – third in, uh, in the FBS, sorry. When you take away those sacks that the NCAA counts as running plays, he was third in total rushing yards. He was third in yards per attempt among quarterbacks. Uh, he was second in broken tackles uh, as a runner. I mean, he is a remarkable athlete. And uh, North Carolina allowed him to feature that, and I think that in Eric the Enemy offense, like a lot of Andy Reid offenses, you can go back to Michael Vick and Donovan McNabb, or you can go to Mike Kafka with Daniel Jones. They featured that kind of athleticism as an asset that they want to use. So I think we'll see a lot of that. Howell, of course, played in an RPO-style system with Larry Fedora at North Carolina. That system makes reads a little bit easier, and so it's kind of difficult to get a good read on what that quarterback can do with a full field. But I think they'll implement a lot of those RPOs maybe include classic read options to make Sam Howell's athleticism be something. If they can fix his release, which is kind of looping kind of long, I think they also want to implement a timing-oriented offense that's going to take advantage of what players like Terry McLaurin can do after the catch. I mean, he's really comfortable just taking the ball right off the snap and throwing it right away, one two-step drop. And I think that that's something that they want to maximize inside the Washington offense. Uh, Patrick Mahone got some freak accidents. I don't think his uh, mobility and running style is what got him hurt. Uh, do you think that it's a possibility that like, – I know JP and I were both wondering about Sam Howe. At first, he used to just tuck the ball and run. And just to, just to make it to where he, he runs when he needs to and, and know how to protect himself. Because Pat protects himself. This is the accidents he's had been freak. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a really, really good point. And I think you take a look at running quarterbacks around the league. I think famously we know that Lamar Jackson, for example, hurt himself a lot. But um, they actually get hurt at a rate less than uh, pocket passers. And I think it's because even though they take some hits downfield, a lot of those hits sometimes are safeties instead of defensive linemen. And they can get out of the way of some of these edge rushers. But regardless of that fact, they still need to find ways to protect themselves. And I think this is probably a better way to think about systems and philosophies than the style of offense someone runs. The way that you teach someone really critical skills, like how to protect your receivers with your passes, how to protect yourself when you're running. And I think that's going to be one of the priorities for an offensive coordinator coming in to seeing a quarterback who knows that he can, you know, make a lot of moves, make waves with the running game but also knows that it's more efficient to pass the ball when you've got that opportunity, also knows that a, the best quarterback you have is the one that's available, and knows that you know getting out of bounds, sometimes that's going to be more important than running through a tackler. And so I think a lot of teaching has to be involved with Howell, both in terms of protecting himself, he was kind of reckless at North Carolina, um, but also you know making sure uh, that you know the release is fixed, making sure that you can read the full field. A lot of it is about teaching systems, less about tactics. So, Arif, let's let's talk about this, man. There are people that wonder if Washington really is going to go at this thing with Howell. And if you look at the roster right now, they, they got to release Wentz. I can't imagine there's a scenario where 
they are talking to the enemy and he's like, no, nah, I actually want you to keep Carson. Let's make a run at this, right? Like none of us, none of us believe that scenario. So you release Wentz, that's 26 mil for your cap. What, let's, we, we can go down two kind of paths here where we assume that it's going to be Howell. What would you do for Washington this offseason? And maybe the Howell stuff is smoke. Would you make a run at Derek Carr or, or something else? Uh, man, I think I think saving that twenty six million by by letting go of Carson Wentz, I think a lot of it would be kind of I'm not going to say wasted because I do think Derek Carr is a talented quarterback, but you're missing an opportunity uh, if you do decide to do that. Um, maybe Howell isn't the answer, and maybe that is actually the the most appropriate solution. I think that you do want to take some shots at quarterback, just generally speaking. Um, Patrick Mahomes was drafted when you had a franchise quarterback. Jalen Hurts was drafted with Carson Wentz on the roster. Um, Brock Purdy was drafted with two franchise quarterbacks on the roster. I think that you do want to take a shot at quarterback, not to replace Sam Howell, but to always have some you know, arrows in your quiver. So I think that that's kind sure. of one priority, whether that happens in the third, fourth, fifth round. But I do think that if they do decide that Howell is a solution, I don't think that – going all in is necessarily the best option. I think that they should have some answers available. And I think, you know, whether or not that means making sure you've got Taylor Heineke on the roster for a couple of years just to have someone available or developing a quarterback, I don't know. But it is really difficult to kind of read that situation just because, you know, a fifth-round quarterback with very few snaps in the regular season, it's just – tough to think that a team is really comfortable with that. Of course, they weren't even comfortable with Taylor Heineke even after the the playoff push. So I think there's going to be some hedging here, but I don't think that they should go after a huge investment like a Derek Carr. What do you think happens with Deron Payne? Man, that, that, is, that is really tough. I mean, I mean he's, he's going to be – there's going to be a lot of teams that want him, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a really, really high-quality player. You take a look at how Washington won games, how, how they were good. A lot of it was with how good that defensive line was and, you know, getting Chase Young back healthy, you know, along with That's just so tempting. Um, but you do know that you need a lot of assets in order to, you know, be successful. We, we've seen teams, you know, flip really good players in order to get multiple picks. Um, that's not necessarily what happens here, but I think that you'd get a third-round compensatory pick you know, a year down the line. I think, you know, if you release Carson Wentz, I think that you have the ability to sign Deron Payne long-term. And I, I just, I would really want to keep that core together just because of how successful that defensive line is. But um, don't you think, though, the offensive line needs to be revamped and you bring in a new coordinator? If Eric Bieniemy signs here, you don't want to put so much in the defense and don't have an offensive line because that's not uh, conducive for him to have success. No, I understand that, and I think that, you know, freeing up that cap space is going to allow you to do a little bit of both. I think that spending, uh, you know, your draft picks on that offensive line is going to allow you to do both, but it's just so tough to develop a player and see him walk, even though that happens all the time in the NFL. I don't think that signing Deron Payne – certainly happens in Washington. Yeah, it happens quite a bit. Um, But I I don't think that, you know, extending Deron Payne will make it impossible for you uh, to to secure, you know, kind of more offensive line talent. 
Um, there are a couple of investments that need to be made on the offensive line, not just one or two. So I understand that that's going to be difficult, but I don't think that you can do it all in free agency or all in the draft. So I think that, you know, one or two signings in free agency, one pick in the draft, and I think that you're probably in a much better spot. Um, yeah, I, that, that is a really difficult kind of nut to crack, but I don't think that Deron Payne really prevents you um, from making sure that you can you can at least build a better offensive line. Um. Let's just get your gut. It's twelve twenty on the East Coast. You think the Bienemy thing gets done in Washington? Yeah, I think so. Um, it really does feel like um, the way that this has been reported, the way that um, Kansas City has been talking about it, that uh, he's he's going to be the offensive coordinator of Washington unless something goes sideways. Yeah, that's kind of my feeling too. Right. And then you could be quick on this one. I find this the most fascinating off-season story in the NFL. The Bears hold the number one pick, and they also have Justin Fields. How do you think that shakes out? Um, I think the Bears would be wise to to get another year of Justin Fields under their belt. I think it'd be smart for them to trade down, you know, two or three spots to a team that needs a quarterback and, you know, still maybe grab a Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, but they could use both of them. But if they use that number one overall pick on the top quarterback in the draft, I wouldn't blame them. I think that that – you know, you, you want to have buy-in with your coaching staff and your quarterback, and if they don't believe in Justin Fields, they should flip him to a team that does believe in him, both for your benefit and for Fields' benefit. Um, but I personally, I think that they're going to stay with Justin Fields, and I think that the best option for them in that scenario is to trade down to three or four, uh, maybe five, well, probably not five, but uh, three or four in order to get uh, a bunch of extra picks and, you know, the top defender in the draft, I think that that would be the smartest thing that they could do. But I don't think anything they would do would surprise me. All right, so you're on Team B, Mitch. <laughs> Keep fields. I am on Team Bryce Young. Maybe I'm crazy. Who knows? Hey, uh, Arv, I, I really enjoyed this. Appreciate you, man. We're going to have to get you back on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you, man. Okay. Arif Hassan, give him a follow at Arif Hassan NFL. The hits don't stop. When we return on the B. Mitch and Finley program on a Scotty's Vodka Red Bull Friday, the big man Mitch Tischler is down here in Raleigh. I wonder if his view is as nice as mine. Uh, we're going to talk to him football, but I also want to see. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I think he was out at the arena last night for the see what the ice looks like. Don't go anywhere. Mitch Tischler's next. 
It's a little Black Eyed Peas remix, Landville. What is this song? Dynamite by Teo Cruz. This is I Told You Once, I Told You Twice. That song? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Um, right now, we're celebrating a Vodka Rebel Friday. Few people enjoy a Vodka Rebel quite like our guy, the big man, Mr. Mitch Tischler from NBC Sports Washington. Oh, he like him. And the Washington Football Talk podcast. He likes a good mm. – is that accurate? Right, let's start with the facts. Is it accurate to say you like a good Vodka Red Bull, big man? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> when things need to get going, give me a little Scotties and, and Red Bull and things are moving. Scotties and Red Bull and things are moving. Uh, well, let's talk about something that may or may not be moving or is apparently moving at a, at a slow pace or perhaps an accelerated pace depending on your view of the world and the millions of years of evolution. But – Eric Bieniemy to the Washington Commanders. Uh, you think it's going to get done? What's the holdup? Where are you at? Yeah, I think it's going to get done. I think uh, essentially they're probably in discussions about um, offensive staff and going over plans and stuff like that. I think this thing is all but signed, sealed, and delivered and expect that if not uh, later today, uh, maybe it, maybe it's tomorrow early morning we hear that, that this thing is, is all wrapped up and done. And I think it's an incredible move for Commanders fans, uh, that uh, the enemy is going to be going to be running the offense here. I think um, we all want it to happen so bad, but don't don't you all think it's best that they dot the I's and cross all T's before finalizing this thing, so we don't have issues down the stretch? I think you can look at the way the Commanders went along this OC search, and I think it's pretty clear that the enemy was their guy from the get go. Um, you know, obviously, we know that. Ron Rivera and Andy Reid have a good relationship, and, you know, Biennemi has connections to D.C., you know, across the board. And I think they did a good job of, of dotting the I's and crossing the T's by doing all the different interviews that they did just to make sure that they didn't leave any stone unturned. But at the end of the day, I think their their main uh, focus was Biennemi, and, and the dotting, dotting of I's and crossing of T's was all the other interviews that they did just to make sure that there wasn't, you know, some something that they missed along the way. And you know, they did all those interviews. They talked to, you know, what, six different other offensive uh, coordinator uh, potential hires and decided that they didn't want to go that direction and that the enemy was their guy. And I think it's, um, I think it's, I think it's great that they, uh, that they did as much due diligence as they did leading into uh, the enemy becoming available to actually do those interviews. Talking with Mitch Tischler here from the Washington Football Talk podcast. You can follow him at Mitch underscore Tischler. Let me ask you this, dude. Um, if they get this Biennemi thing locked in, which it, all of us, I think, believe is, is happening or will happen soon, the biggest remaining question for this team is what? I mean, starting quarterback or what they're going to do at the quarterback position. Um, I'm excited about the combination of Biennemi and Sam Howell. And, you know, you look across the league, and there are a lot of folks that are rooting for Biennemi to succeed, considering all the hurdles that he's had to go through to, to try and, you know, move up in his career. But if you're a, a commander's fan, just kind of looking at this thing from the 30,000 foot view, if things don't dramatically improve next year, by all means, most likely Ron Rivera is going to be gone at the, at the, at the end of the year. And I think they give themselves the, the, the best option uh, to make that big jump because that big jump has to happen on offense. And I think the enemy is going to be the most creative mind that comes in. And so, I think that part of, you know, you're, you're asking about what's happening now and why isn't it done. I think they're discussing plans. You know, what, what does the enemy want, you know, at quarterback? What does the enemy want this offense to look like? 
what kind of offensive lineman do they need to go after? Are they, they going need to go after, after some? Absolutely. <laughs> but do they want the Shanahan athletic offensive lineman or do they want the, you know, 350 pound, you know, bruisers, you know, that don't, that don't, that don't roll out and move a whole lot. I think, you know, there's, there's different types of guys, you know, do they need, where do they need to, what are they going to do at tight end? You know, do they have the right guys there? Do they, do they need to bring back Logan Thomas? Do they like the young guys enough? You know, I think that that's where they're at in the discussions right now is the machinations of what the offensive um, roster looks like and how they want to deploy all the different uh, assets that they have. So going forward, what would your what would the Mitch fix be for that O line? I am drafting the best left tackle available. Um, left I am, tackle. So what are you doing with Leno? It was probably your fourth or biggest, fourth or fifth highest cap hit. I've been saying that I, I think Leno is. I think you go to Leno and ask for a restructure and want him to be your backup swing tackle. Because um, Cosme is your starting right tackle for me. Leno's your uh, your swing tackle, or if he doesn't want to restructure, which I wouldn't be surprised because he has played relatively well, then you stick with Cornelius Lucas as that backup tackle. But I want a stalwart left tackle. I want a guy. I want your your uh, Curtis Samuel, your Curtis uh, um, Chris Samuel, or uh, Trent Williams guy out there at left tackle. I want to set it and forget it out there. Um, and I'm I'm spending my mid round picks uh, on on guards. And um, bringing Rulier back at center, so that's where I, that's where I'm at. You're, at, uh, you're, you're at willing to roll? Were you locking Rulier at the, at the price he's at right now? Yes, I am. I, I don't believe after I, two years of leg injuries, I I believe that a lot of the issues with the injuries that the team had at center was the deficiencies at guard, and the fact that there were legs and bodies and defensive tackles in positions that they shouldn't have been in, and as a center. You're stepping back, and and Rie stepping back into his guards, who are being pushed back into the quarterback. He had no opportunity to get himself set and be and be braced for impact and injury. And I think that by improving the guards, I think that you can help out your center. And I think you need to have a kind of uh, a veteran, stable, stable, you know, guy at center, especially if you're going to be rolling out a young quarterback. I don't know if I can go there with you, Mitchell. <laughs> Um, talking with our friend Mitch Tischler, who's down here with me in Raleigh. Um, dude, have you seen the ice? You were over there yesterday, right? Let's talk a little Caps. Caps Canes getting ready tomorrow night, outdoor game, going to be all over TV. I know we're blowing out coverage on NBC4, on NBC Sports Washington. You can listen to the game right here on 106.7 The Fan. John Walton, I listen to him along with Grant and Danny. The radio call guys get to be on the glass, which should be super cool for this thing. Um, You've been over there. What's it look like? What are you thinking? It's really, really cool. I mean, all these outdoor games that the NHL puts on on are incredible. You know, we were at the one at uh, maybe Marine Corps – Stadium a couple of years ago, the ice, you know, it was 70 degrees yesterday and they had folks out skating around on the ice. Uh, It looked pretty, it looked solid. It looked good. The setup uh, over at uh, Carter Finley stadium, which I'm staring at right now is incredible. It's going to look so good on TV. Uh, You mentioned all the coverage Uh, tonight, NBC sports, Washington. We have a, uh, the caps practice at uh, six o'clock. We're going to have a live show from six 30 to seven 30. We're going to have, John Walton on. We're going to have Darcy Kemper mic'd up. We're going to have Connor Sheary. We're going to have a ton, a ton, a ton of uh, of Caps coverage. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be really, really cool out here tonight. 
Um, last thing. How about those turtles last night? Oh, boy. Let me tell you, I, there are a lot of things <laughs> that I hate about the ACC. Uh, but being down here in ACC country and not being able to get that game except for streaming on my phone is extremely frustrating and reminds me of everything that I hate about Duke and Carolina and Wake and NC State and all the rest of them down here. But you know what? That turtle game last night was unbelievable. How Hold much on. Your, your, takeaway, <laughs> your takeaway from Maryland beating Purdue is that you're mad at the ACC? Did I, no, because the yeah, ACC wouldn't let them see it. They wouldn't I'm let them see it. I wasn't able to watch the game. Because they don't have Big Ten Network down here? Right. You know why they don't have Big Ten? Because it's all a big – you know the word for it. <laughs> I don't. This is one of your more confusing takes I've ever heard. I, I mean, I get that you're mad you didn't get to watch the game. I was in the truck. I got to listen to Johnny and Chris Naki and Walt Williams on the radio, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, you should have just awesome. streamed. You should have streamed it on the Odyssey app, Mitch. You would have been just fine. I, we were. Hey, we had a beautiful dinner last night, and I was watching. I was streaming the game as we were as we were eating a nice big steak. It was it was an enjoyable experience, but I would have rather had it on the big screen. You know, with a, with a with a couple of beers watching the game. B. Mitch, Maryland gets their biggest win in probably a few years, and Mitch proceeds to just be mad at the ACC about it. Am yeah. I? Are you as confused as I no, am? I, I get it because he wanted to watch it and enjoy it in, 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 in high def instead of looking at a little phone. I choose while if, trying if to I have drink to be, and eat. If I have to be mad at anybody about that, it's the Big Ten for scheduling that game at six thirty instead of the night game. Yeah. I mean, the Big Ten does the Big Ten does that. I, I actually think it's kind of a good idea of the six thirty and eight thirty games because it makes it so at eight fifteen when the Terps game is finishing up, and whether it's the Terps or Michigan or whoever, it's the only game that's ending at that time. And so folks are going to tune in, tune in for that game. But that court rush was incredible last night. I love seeing that. Let those kids have fun. I thought they were going to burn College Park to the ground, like uh, you know, some some. Uh, I hope they don't. used to do in the early 2000s. Yeah, I hope they don't do that type of stuff. When, when, when you win, why the hell do people want to burn up stuff? I'm cool with rushing the court. I, I Rushing l- the court, yes, but burning up crap, no. Um, let's do this. I, let's let big man go. I will see you at practice, I guess, in a couple hours, Mitch. I'm looking forward to it. Hockey right, Mitch, JP care, is brother. here. Hockey, Buckle up. Hockey JP is the best. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, me, one o'clock. <laughs> Hockey JP, B, I know you're fired up to see him. Hey, wait. <clears throat> One o'clock. It is time. Uh, this radio program consists of a musician, a chief BS officer, a blogger, and an NFL legend. At 1 o'clock, you get to ask the NFL legend anything you want, anything on your mind. You want to ask B. Mitch what he thinks of the ice for tomorrow night in Raleigh? You can ask him. I don't have an answer for you. But you can still ask. <laughs> Get your phones ready. Ask B-Mitch anything coming up at 1 o'clock. Scotty's Vodka Rebel Friday right there, baby. You hear it. All right. um, Brian. Yes. I have a question. I believe there's some – I don't know the right term here, but perhaps it's reverse racism. Perhaps it's – you guys just make fun of me for being a white dude. I don't know the right term, but why did you guys order a whole bunch of Jamaican food when I'm not in the office? Uh, I don't think it was anything about that. It's just that you were going to what's called on a Friday. 
And this morning when I walked in to talk to Landfill, I was offered, do I want some uh, some some food? I say yes. I'm not gonna turn down for jerks, chicken and all that. I, well, we just wanted jerk chicken and some um, some uh, oxtail, but it ended up with curry chicken and barbecue jerk chicken, which I had never heard of, and that's damn good. Uh, then they also so somebody had, hold so, on. So somebody offered to bring this in, and yeah. you said sure. Yeah. All right, that's a little different than. Hey, the loud white dude's not in the office. Let's order oxtails. Well, to be honest with you, to try to say it's reverse racism, Landfield is here. He's white. That is accurate. <laughs> Landfield, is that accurate? That's true. <laughs> so I that, am. Po- that po- you know what? pokes a little hole in my theory. Yeah, big time. Have you ever heard of uh, it's called Chat Chat GPT? Yeah, that's the new uh, yeah, like artificial we, intelligence joint. JP right? is scary, bro. Why are you guys trying it right now? No, I, I did something. Yeah, yesterday I put it in stuff like Eric being to me and talk all this stuff, and then this thing came out with, "Welcome to the Day Show." <laughs> we're we're going to talk about one of the most exciting offensive coordinators in the NFL, Eric being of the Washington Commanders. From his days as a standout no running back at the University of Colorado, this thing breaks it down, dude. That's scary stuff right there. Linnell's show prep just wow. got quicker. I put a couple of just like. <laughs> <laughs> I put a couple of keywords in it, and this thing gave me two huge paragraphs. It's crazy, man. Um, Let's try to do a show. So, We're going to do a whole segment one day on just that. Can we just, like, let's wait till CK goes on vacation and we're just going to show prep with a can bot. I, can I ask you a question? just go play golf. Okay, why, yeah. why you say it on air if you're trying to do it? I keep telling you about that. Brian, I <laughs> if you ever go to that. prison for something, it's going to be because you were talking too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let me ask you this. Yeah. Landfill, I need your help, okay? I The D.C. Defenders opened the season on Sunday. Yes. I'm – I'm trying to find like odds. I want to. I want to talk about this damn game, and I can't find anything. Um, are they favorites? I so I I found this from the XFL News Hub that the defenders to win the league are not not exactly in the running. Um, the the Renegades of Arlington is that. They got a team in, like, Boston? Probably Texas. Uh, that makes sense. So Arlington Renegades are the <laughs> favorites. Uh, then right behind them, the San Antonio Brahmas. Then St. Louis Battlehawks the, uh, of Taylor Heineke fame. Seattle Sea Dragons, Vegas Vipers, Houston Roughnecks. There's only eight teams the in Houston the league, Brian. Roughnecks. The defenders, the defenders are the seventh <laughs> Seventh best odds to win the t- the championship, followed by the Orlando Guardians. I say this, man. So s- they're saying just because they say we're seven, don't mean we're going to finish seven. I agree with you. Um, well, let's do this. Let's just rank the names because that's the only thing we really. I have like the Roughnecks. Definitive. It, it, I like Roughnecks. I think Vegas Vipers sounds kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, because there's a lot of Vipers in Vegas. I think DC Defenders is pretty damn good. That, yeah, that's dope. I think my name rankings for the XFL franchises would go Roughnecks, Vipers, Defenders. 
Then maybe the Brahmas, because it's so bizarre. Like, that's just so unique. The bull. In, in Landville, didn't you tell me that's like a type of cow or it's something? It's a type of bull. It's a Brahma bull. Yeah. Yeah. It's also the Rock's nickname, the Brahma bull. And he owns the league? Yeah. Imagine owning your own league. That must be fun. Yeah. Um, I, I find it odd. Maybe I'm just not looking. Landville, can you get a line for this weekend's Defenders game? I just pull up the schedule, and it went straight to the uh, the schedule that they had in the spring. Right, it's the spring. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking for, the fall? Can anybody get me a line on this game? They're uh, playing Seattle. I, I, I see no lines, man. All they, February 19th, Seattle Sea Dragons at the D.C. Defenders. It tells you everything but any line. Yeah, I don't see anything. No lines. We can get tickets, though. Listen, I'm guessing you could get a line on this. But I'd also add, if you can't get a line on a football game, that's a major mistake by somebody. Yeah. Like the whole uh, defenders plus one and a half. It, plus one and a half defenders. All right, what's the total? 35 and a half. Oh, no. Give me an under. Oh, my God. Is that the first half total? <laughs> no. Where do you pull that up at? Uh, Fandle. Oh, see, Fanduel? Yeah. Fanduel got it all, man. Yo, one one old betting trick is when the line when the when a total is really, really low, you should take the under, because they're begging you to take the over. How do we feel about like a group bet on the under? I'm with it. What do you think, Landini? Ten bucks a man on the under? Uh sure. You want to put it in? I'm in. I'll Venmo you the 10 right like, now. Right. I have no idea if gambling is legal in the state of North Carolina. Does anybody know I'm that? I'm with it, but do you, do you really want to put me on this bet? Yeah. Nope. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll put in the, the 20 for me and somebody that, that, that I will name later. <laughs> Who is it? Ahmed? You front Ahmed? I, I'm a front Ahmed. Yeah, because if Jeff involved, we lose it. <laughs> All right, here is the plan. Get your phone out, 800-636-1067. It's time for Ask B-Mitch Anything. Again, 800-636-1067. Don't you forget, it is a Scotty's Vodka Red Bull Friday. And don't you forget that B-Mitch and Finley is presented by John Leahy and the Fine Living Group. Ask B-Mitch Anything next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.